Hey everyone, welcome to Be The Change. My name is Lily Mott, and today I'm going to be talking about how change comes when you make your voice heard. I am really excited to share this conversation with you because this guest was so interesting to talk to about his work on elections in the South, as well as his work in gun violence awareness, artificial intelligence, and especially his work on his own newspaper. Austin Weich is a high school senior in Madison, Alabama, and he is the National Director of Advocacy at Encode Justice, a Courage Fellow for Giffords, and he runs his own newspaper for young people in Alabama. So... Let's get started with this episode featuring Austin Weich. So my name's Austin Weich, and so some of the main causes that I've been working on recently include artificial intelligence and gun violence prevention. So I currently serve as the National Director of Advocacy at Encode Justice, which is essentially a youth-led organization that fights for ethical AI legislation across the country and um, internationally. So we work essentially with other organizations like the ACLU, Justice LA, you name it, the grassroots advocacy organizations um, to push for legislation on the local, state, and federal level that um, puts more restrictions on the use of artificial intelligence, whether that be algorithms, whether that be facial recognition technology, all different issues with technology that typically discriminate against certain protected groups. Um, Another thing that I've been working a lot on recently is with Giffords. Um, I'm a Courage Fellow for the Giffords Organization, which was founded by former Congresswoman Gabrielle Giffords after her shooting in Tucson. So um, with that, I've been working on a lot in my community, just trying to meet with other organizations like Moms Demand Action, um, Every Town, just making sure that we're working to see what type of common sense gun restrictions we can put in our community to keep people safe. So um, those are my two main projects. Um, but my main thing that I've been doing, um, I run my own newspaper um, or blog, you could say, it's called The Teen View. So it essentially provides um, young people in Alabama, no matter their age, um, they can talk about the political, cultural, or social issues that they find really important. So we um, kicked off in about May 2020, and we've been um, active since then. That was a great background, and I would love to talk more about how you got into your work with all of these different issues. So you're working in AI, gun violence, and on your own newspaper. So I would love to know more about the background of those projects and just really how you got started doing this work. Definitely. Um, So when I was about 11 years old, I actually moved um, to Washington, D.C. I was um, right outside D.C. in Fairfax County. So um, when I was outside D.C., I was almost like in the realm of where politics was happening. So when I lived there, there was the government shutdown in 2013 over Obamacare, and there were so many issues that were going on around us. But um, what really kicked it off was um, during the 2016 election. Um, During the 2016 election, it was just mesmerizing to me um, the, the change that was happening in the United States. And at the same time, I was about to move to Alabama, where I currently live. So it was just almost like a paradigm shift for me when I moved from very blue, very progressive, very diverse Fairfax County, Virginia to Alabama, which uh, most people know is a fairly conservative and traditional area. So it was really interesting to me just to see the differences in the country and see how the country was moving. So after I got to Alabama, I start to I started to get involved with local politics here, which is a lot more conservative and races are a, lo- a lot harder to win. Um, 
but um, I started getting involved with the Doug Jones campaign. Um, then I went over to Georgia to work a little bit on the Stacey Abrams campaign. Um, then later on, John Ossoff and Raphael Warnock. But I thought that it was really important that in Alabama, a state that I believe a lot of people a lot of people's voices aren't heard on certain issues like LGBTQ plus rights, on abortion access, um, immigration. So many issues are happening here. And because a lot of people don't have the power, the political power, or they just don't have the power to speak out. I think that it's really important that people in Alabama and very conservative states stand up and talk about the social issues that are really important to them. I love how your movement affected your activism, and I think it's so cool that your surroundings impacted you in that way, and you've been able to adapt to those different political climates as you've moved. And so I would also love to know more about ENCODE Justice, because I haven't really had anyone who is working on that issue on the podcast. So I would love for you to tell me some more about what your work looks like with ENCODE Justice. Definitely. Um, so ENCODE Justice is an organization that's active um, in over 40 plus U.S. states and 30 countries around the world. And ENCODE Justice was founded um, actually in California by Sneha Revener, and she founded the organization after there was a proposition on the ballot in California, which would replace cash bail with a risk assessment software that would essentially discriminate against minorities um, when they're determining the risk of recidivism. So it started there, and then it moved to New York, and then it moved nationwide. So we work on a number of issues. Um, namely, I know that we've done a lot of work in Virginia. So um, there was a bill, I believe it was SB 741, which would essentially um, repeal a lot of the restrictions that Governor Northam put in office while he was in office. Um, and it would essentially just expand the use of facial recognition technology within the state. So we thought that it was really important that um, when Governor Youngkin came into office that we reach out to his office, we reach out to the Lieutenant Governor's office and key legislators in the state of Virginia, just to ensure that these restrictions that are being put in place, they're, they're gonna protect people. Because we see often and time again that facial recognition technology um, discriminates against minority groups, against women, against people of color. We see that these softwares are not very accurate. So that's one thing that we've really been focused on, but also we've been focused on social media algorithms. So whether that be algorithms used by Google, by Facebook, by YouTube, or other digital platforms, these algorithms have the potential to discriminate against minority groups and not treat their consumers equally. So we have often seen that um, there was actually, I believe it was Google, they used a hiring algorithm and it discriminated against women and people who went to women uh, women's colleges. So I think that it's really important that in the age of technology where we're seeing that these softwares are being used with higher frequency, that we have state, local, and federal legislation that's ensuring that they're reporting to the FTC, that they're doing impact assessments, and just ensuring that these products that are being made that most Americans don't know a whole lot about, just because um, when you go on Facebook or Instagram, you're usually focused on connecting with friends, connecting with colleagues, different things like that, but not the algorithms that are actually feeding you information. So. We think that it's really important at Encode Justice that we are having equitable legislation that's protecting consumers and that's going to protect the general public because we've seen how disinformation and misinformation has spread all across the United States. And we've seen how that culminated um, in 2021 with the January 6th attack. We've seen how that's happened. So we think that it's really important that we have good corporate citizens and that they're um, essentially protecting their consumers and staying in line with federal law. That's really interesting. So I would love to know as well, where do you see this issue going in the future, especially as Gen Z gets older and has to live with this technology? As you were mentioning, this is a very 
new issue that people may not know a lot about and issues with tech and AI are developing so quickly. What are your thoughts on the future of this issue and what are you hoping comes of AI regulation? Definitely. So what I think right now is really important is that the federal government passes a moratorium when it comes to facial recognition technology. I think that while these um, technologies can be useful for law enforcement, I think that it's really important that they need to be improved upon because we see continuous cases of people being misidentified and it's almost always people of color who are being convicted of crimes that they did not commit based on faulty technology. So that's something that's really important. There has been um, legislation introduced in both the House and the Senate that would put a moratorium on the use of this surveillance. So I think that that would be really important, as well as I think that um, the Algorithmic Justice and Online Transparency Act that is currently in the Senate, I think that that would be a really good piece of legislation. So what I think would be really important is that state and federal governments are working together and they're trying to pass legislation that's going to require companies to conduct impact assessments, which is essentially them just running the process of trying to figure out, are these algorithms, are these surveillance systems, are these um, ad delivery platforms, are they being used in an equitable manner to ensure that they're not discriminating against people based on sex, race, sexual orientation, gender identity, all of these other protected characteristics. I think that that's really important. And I think that it really comes to Gen Z um, and millennials and young people across the country because we're the next generation. And I think that we're the ones that are in most circumstances, most familiar with these technologies that are being used. So it's really important for us to call on our elected officials to say, you know what, this is what these ad delivery platforms are doing right now. And this is not equitable, this is not fair. And this could potentially be violating a federal civil rights statute. And I think that it's really important for us to stand up and speak out about that issue because um, until we get in office, until we are able to make all the changes that we need, I think that it's going to be really difficult to do so. Thank you so much for explaining that because that's so true. And I think more people need to be aware of the issue, especially as AI becomes more advanced. So I would also love to talk more about the teen view because I think it's a really interesting project that you've put together. And it's really cool how you're allowing people to write in and share their opinions. So can you tell me more about the process to create the teen view? And can you tell me some about what people have been writing about on the site in the past and now? I'd love to know what kind of content you've received and you've been sharing on the site. Certainly. Um, so in 2020, um, it was in the beginning of the coronavirus pandemic. It was after the murder of George Floyd, where there were protests happening all across the country. Me and some of my classmates thought that it was really important that teenagers in our community and teenagers within the state of Alabama essentially just had a platform where they could talk about the issues that are most important to them. So I know that um, when I first started the website, one of the most important issues that I wanted to talk about was um, racial justice in the United States, as well as immigration reform, because immigration is an issue that's really important to me. Um, I'm close friends with some people who don't have immigration status. So I think that it's an issue that oftentimes when it's reported in mainstream media, it does not really convey how most people's lives are. I don't think most people realize that there are 11 million undocumented immigrants in the United States who have been here for years and um, they really deserve American citizenship. So I think that issues like that, issues like um, same-sex marriage and the Respect for Marriage Act that passed the House of Representatives, issues with technology, I know that that's been um, at the forefront as well as issues with abortion rights in Alabama. Um, after the Dobbs decision, um, I think that it's really been something that our writers have been talking about because abortion access is now illegal in the state of Alabama. So that's an issue as well as just 
plenty of um, cultural and social issues that have been going on. But I think that it's really important that um, teenagers, um, since we're the next generation, and I think that it's it's really hard to get your voice out there because a lot of um, media platforms are only listening to adults who have something to say. But as long as they write an, as long as people our age write an article and um, it's professional and you get your point across, I think that it's really important and it shows that you know we do have opinions on this on these issues. These issues are affecting us, even if we're not able to vote. There are plenty of issues in the state of Alabama and the United States as a whole that are affecting us. I think that um, we can see this namely um, in Florida with the "Don't Say Gay" legislation. While that legislation, we don't have the ability to vote for elected officials on it because I am. So 17, I can't vote, but those issues do affect us. And I think that that's really important that we're standing up and we're showing the elected officials that we're watching um, when we're able to vote, if you're not respecting your constituents' interests, we're gonna find a new person who will. I think providing a place for teens to voice their opinions and to read other perspectives is great because then when it gets to the point when those teens do get to vote, they're going to be so informed about the issues and ready to get out to the polls. So I have one last question for you. Lots of young people, particularly college students and high school students, want to create change and want to make a difference, but they may not know where to get started. Do you have any advice for those people who may be listening? Definitely. So what advice that I would have is I would say start local. I think that there are local issues that affect all of us and you can make change on the local level. You can meet with advocacy organizations in your community. I know there are ACLU chapters everywhere. There are chapters of the League of Women Voters of every town. There's so many organizations that are already working in many communities that would love to have more volunteers, more people involved in the process. So that's something that I would definitely recommend as well as forming coalitions. Talk to your friends, use relational organizing. I think that that's one of the most powerful tools that you can use. Talk to other people that are involved in the movement and form new issues that you can promote. Um, I know that um, we've done that a lot in my community um, because we're in a traditional conservative town. It's, a, it's, it's really hard when it comes to issues such as abortion, such as LGBTQ plus rights. And I think that it's really important for people to stand up, contact your media, write letters to the editor, you know, get yourself involved in the process, even if it's uncomfortable, even if it feels like you might be out of place, that's okay. That means that you are making change. And the best way to do that is just make your voice heard um, get involved with numerous organizations, start in your community, pinpoint the problem and determine what solution that you want to have. I think that it's really important, no matter what issue that you're working on, if it's climate change, if it's just getting people registered to vote, make sure you have an objective and make sure you know exactly how you want to go about that. Once you have partners and once you have a coalition, you will be able to get involved in the movement. I really enjoyed talking with Austin, and I think this conversation was a really great one to share on this Wednesday after Election Day. All of Austin's advice at the end of our conversation about starting local, coalition building, registering people to vote, all of those tips just reminded me of the many, many ways to get involved and make your voice heard. Austin's publication, The Teen View, is targeted at young people, many of whom can't vote yet, but they're still finding a way to share their opinions and inform themselves about important issues. There are so many ways to get involved and make change, but if there's one takeaway I have from this conversation with Austin, it's that change comes when you make your voice heard.
Thank you so much for listening to this episode. And you can find Austin on Instagram at Austin Weich to get connected with him. You can also find The Teen View on Instagram at The Teen View if you want to check that out as well. If you want to talk about anything I mentioned, please reach out to me by email at lily at bethechangepodcast.org or on Instagram at bethechangepodcast. Tune in for my next episode, but until then, be the change you wish to see in the world. Bye, guys.